So for the next time, you can go ahead and do question four. Start on those. You should be through 3A and 3B well, we now. Those <laughs> yep. Well, good. I'll think about You're it. You're just ahead. All right. So we're going to finish up decision making, and then on Wednesday we'll move on into self-control. And so um, let's do a quick review. We looked at the uh, the seven steps of how to make decisions. Um, then we looked at some various uh, aspects of what decision making does for us, and uh, how we make decisions says a lot about us. It says a lot about our focus. It says a lot about what God will do for us, depending on how we're doing this. And then we talked about the will, because um, decision making has a lot to do with the will, whether it's your will or God's <coughs> will, and which one you're going to actually carry out. Um, and so there were various definitions of what the will might be, but in our context it was uh, having the will or the desire to, to do something a certain way. And then we looked at decisions uh, that are pleasing to God, to decisions that God will bless, and uh, the various types of decisions where He's involved and uh, that are pleasing to Him. And then there were six different methods that we looked at, with the discerning method being the best, which means you take some time, you think about it, you look at alternatives. Um, these others are have some have their place, some have no place, um, but we typically will use all of them. Um, they're just not always the best way to do it. So we need to get a little bit better at, at uh, using the correct method, uh, a better method, I should say, uh, making decisions. And then finally, we're up to where we were at, which is the uh, different ways to test things. So when we looked at that decision-making uh, process, one of the things was we've got to pick what the alternatives are. We could do A, B, or C, whatever, and, and we have to decide between the three of them what we're going to do. And these are some tests we can use to decide which one is the best option. And uh, depending on the kind of... Um, decision we're going to make, they're not always, the, the same test can't always be used. So we looked at the scriptural test, which was, um, did God already tell us about this in his word? So can we just go to the Bible and read about it and figure out what to do? Uh, there's the secrecy test, which is, if um, would it bother me if anybody else knew I was doing this? If everybody knew this was my choice? What if everybody knew that's what I was going to do? Would, would that create a problem and would it bother me? Um, the survey test. What if everyone did what I'm about to do? What if everybody um, decided to follow my example? Would, would that be a problem? And we, we looked at some things like the eat, meat, meat, eating meat sacrificed to idols where that would be a problem. Spiritual test, this was our, it sounds similar to scriptural, but in this case it was more about, is this what's best for me spiritually? Is this what's best for me physically? Or maybe it's not even good for me, but sometimes we'll make decisions that are, that are more physically, uh, better for us physically than they are for us spiritually, and that's, that's a bad trade-off when we do that. And so we need to, we need to try to make decisions that are always in favor of our spiritual side. So now we're at stumbling. Um, we talked about this a little bit, um, and I think actually we talked a little bit right at the end of class about this one. Um, this test is, if I did this, if I made this decision, or 
looking at these alternatives, are there any of them that will cause someone else to stumble? So is that important? Yes. I mean, it's not about us, right? That's about somebody else, and that's probably as important or more important than ourselves because if we cause someone else to stumble, we're going to create a problem for ourselves no matter what we do. So that decision you may think is a good decision for me, <coughs> but in the end it's going to take you down. So uh, not all decisions are like that. We talked about um, sometimes uh, avoiding certain places just because we wouldn't want to have, see, have someone see us go there. And uh, maybe there's, maybe when I go there I wouldn't do anything wrong, but I just wouldn't want to have anyone see me there. All right, the serenity test. So with this one, uh, basically asks the question, have I prayed about this? Am I at peace with this? Has, have, have I turned this over to God and am I at peace with the decision that I'm about to make? Um, not all decisions, when we make them, are going to create a peaceful situation, but they should all we should all feel confident and peaceful about those decisions um, that we make. And so, uh, Scripture in Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7, do not, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, and by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So if we get that peace, have that peace about those decisions that we've taken to God, then um, they will that will guard our hearts and minds, and that's important. I love that scripture. Yes, and so we need that um, protection uh, that God will give us by going to Him in prayer um, with our requests. The sanctification test here: <clears throat> Will this keep me from growing more as a Christian? Will this set me apart more, or will it cause me to? Um, kind of take a step backwards in my growth. And so, um, a good uh, scripture for that is 2 Corinthians 3.18. We who with veiled faces all reflect God's glory, are being transformed into His likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So if, if that's not what we're doing, then we're taking steps backwards. It's kind of like the, um, we talk about Either you're moving forward or you're moving backwards. There's no in-between. There's no place where you just stay uh, in one place. So are we growing? If, will this decision I'm about to make, will it cause me to grow? Or will it cause me to take a step back? The supreme test, and this is the most important test, is does this glorify God? And why is that important? That's why we're here. That's all we're about, right? That is the number one thing that we're supposed to be doing is glorifying God. So if, if that's not the outcome, then we've completely missed the boat um, because that's what we're here for. And so uh, 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, Whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Whichever decision you make, just make sure it glorifies God. Very close to that is decisions that we make should also honor Christ. And he's part of the Godhead, so this this uh, glorifying God fits that. But we also need to honor Jesus in what we do. Um, so Romans 14 and verse 6 says, He who observes the day, observes it for the Lord. This is talking about like feast days and things in the Old Testament. Um, he does it for the Lord, and he who eats does so for the Lord. And for he gives thanks to God, and he who eats not, 
For the Lord he does not eat, he gives thanks to God. So no matter what decision we make there, the main thing is that we give thanks to God and that we honor Jesus. Uh, decisions should arise from convictions. Why is that important? And I just got done talking about this. Conscience. Conscience, yes. If your conscience is not convinced that's the right way to go, you better not do it because that's uh, violating your conscience is a big problem. And so you need to be convinced, you need to have convictions about the decisions you're going to make. If you're not sure, what might you want to do? Not do it and pray, study, do all the things that we talk about with, with uh, making decisions. Get to the point where you can make a better decision. That might be a case where you slow down a little bit and uh, pray and to study and to think it through. Maybe ask somebody else, get, get more information. And then decisions should be based on good doctrine. Uh, sometimes we don't have all the information. Sometimes we think things are okay, like the meat sacrifice to idol problem. Um, and that scripture for that is 1 Corinthians 10, 25. It says, eat anything that is sold in the meat market without asking questions for conscience sake. For the earth, earth is the Lord's and all it contains. So we just need to know for sure what the Bible teaches before we go make these decisions so that we don't get off course with those. There are probably other tests you can use. These are some, some pretty important ones. Um, <clears throat> you know, sometimes you can look at it in terms of what it does for your family, what it does for the people around you, what it does for your friends. Um, but in the end, these, these questions are probably the most important things that we're going to look at. Those last four actually should be at the top because yeah. you're going to go through that list anyway. True. That's true. Yeah, you could almost say that kind of encompasses everything, doesn't it? Um, once, once your focus is I mean, that, I would spend like a minute thinking about it because it's going to be a fast process that your brain's going to go through. Yeah, and if the first one is, I want to honor and glorify God, and maybe the second is, I don't want to violate my conscience. You got ninety percent of it covered with those two. Yes. Yeah. Um, the, the last one on there was that decisions should be based on good doctrine. Mm -hmm. <coughs> Could you explain that a little bit? Sure. Well, uh, I was looking at a movie last night, and the person was willing to go to jail uh, because of not being not being able, according to his doctrine, mm -hmm. to say what was told in confession. Uh -huh. So in this case, um, this would be like, um, we can use the example of Paul here where Paul did go to jail. He, he got sent to prison for being a Christian and um, the Jews wanted him to denounce that, but he wouldn't do it. And so he preferred to go to jail. Now, the cons on that are, what do people look at Paul and said, he's a convict. You know, that's a you ruined your influence. Well, did he? He became a source of great encouragement, didn't he? Because he was willing to go that far. That actually was just the opposite example that he showed. Instead of showing where, okay, he's, he's willing to, to go against the law. No, he was willing to stick with God's law to the point where um, he would even be jailed if that was necessary. A second one is we've been talking about meat sacrifice to idols. And Paul said, 
that he would never eat meat again if if it would if it if eating meat caused his brother to stumble he would never eat it again and so while the doctrine says that um, it's okay to eat meat he knew that the doctrine also took it a step further and said but if that's going to cause your brother to stumble then you're not going to do it so it, it's a step above even doctrine it's it's looking at at the doctrine and the outcomes of of what you might do so you might know that something's lawful but it's not really expedient and you should you should make decisions in favor of uh, the best outcome not just a single outcome Does that help mm -hmm. okay all right then there are factors that make it difficult to make a decision or maybe to make a good decision um, so everybody remember who Nabal is Let's talk about Nabal a little bit. So Nabal was a shepherd. He had, he had many, many sheep. Um, what kind of things did Nabal have going for him? Lots of sheep. Very wealthy. He had a great wife. Great wife. And she's, she's going to be our focus. <laughs> great wife. Beautiful wife. Uh, smart woman. And uh, what did he have going against him? Like, what did his name mean? Fool. He was a fool. Okay. So, what, because things were dangerous in that area, what did Nabal hire David to do? Watching sheep. Take care of his sheep. Protect them. He was more or less the bodyguard, right? Yeah. The sheep bodyguard. And David just had a small army, and he was protecting Nabal's shepherds and his sheep. And uh, there was a time during the shearing season when David needed some help. And he asked Nabal for some food. Um, you might say he wanted his, uh, a little bit of a payment early so that he could take care of his men. Seemed like a reasonable request. And what did Nabal say about that? Not, not going to do it. Not going to give you that. So what kind of a decision was that? Poor. Poor decision. So what things might he have um, considered in making a better decision? He was blessed, and so sometimes, uh, sometimes our blessings, when God sees how stingy we're going to be, you just give that to someone else who won't be stingy, right? Mm -hmm. And so our future might, we might just ruin our future. Um, Nabal was really looking at who? Himself. himself. He was only concerned about himself. He was selfish, self-absorbed, self-indulgent. Uh, what happened to him eventually? God killed him, yeah. Early. So, that shows us that our decisions can be costly, especially if they're made with mixed emotions, if they're made with spiritual immaturity. So let's look at some of those. Then we'll come back to, to this uh, example of Nabal. So what are some things that can cause clouds of confusion? In other words, what, what can cloud our judgment in making better decisions? Well, the first one, not having pure motives. How can that affect us? What's a pure motive in the first place? One focused on God. So one focused on God. So if our motive, as, as Dennis said earlier, if our motive is to honor God and to um, glorify Him, that motive will give us a leg up on every decision. And so if we, have, if we don't have pure motives, maybe mixed motives, we might be like Nabal who's trying to satisfy himself more than uh, be a good neighbor, be a good um, uh, boss. The second one certainly applies yeah. to him. He, he was not surrendering he, his will at yeah, all. He wasn't willing to give 
his will up at all. Everything was about him. So when we look at not surrendering our will, that really creates a problem for um, decision making because we're not, there are um, alternatives that we're going to look at that won't even be possible because they're mainly about satisfying someone else or doing something that someone else wanted. Well, if you're not willing to give in with your will, then you're not going to take any of those. And those may be the best answers. So not surrendering your will will cause you to have a clouded view of what the best outcomes are. And so you'll pick a bad outcome. Not seeking God's will through His Word. What's the problem we get there? We don't know God's will. We don't know. We don't know the right answers. We yeah, don't know the best know answers. Mm -hmm. um, if we're looking to, to um, glorify God, we don't know what glorifies God. And so if we don't uh, seek it through His Word, we're just guessing. And we will likely guess wrong. Generally, as men, as, as humans, do we have this common sense view that lines up with God? Most Pretty much the opposite, don't we? We tend to pick the things that are, that are against God. So, thinking that we can just do what comes naturally, and we're going to talk about that next, uh, isn't really a good answer. Uh, not repenting of known sin in my life, what does that create for us? Okay, we're separated, so we don't have a relationship, so when we want to pray to Him, we don't have that option. Uh, when we go to God's Word, we don't really see it clearly. And we're also showing some of this, uh, being headstrong, not willing to give in, not being humble, not being willing to um, do things God's way. So, <clears throat> not repenting of known sin is a, is a big problem, and it will cloud our, our decisions. Not praying continually and earnestly, that pretty much puts decisions back on us, right? When things are really stressful, what does the Bible tell us to do with all of our cares? Put them on God. And we do that through prayer. So if we're not willing to pray to God, then we're not going to be bringing Him into the picture and getting Him involved. So we will start feeling the weight of those decisions more on ourselves, and um, we won't make good decisions. Not expecting God to answer. Why is that a problem? I have a testimony about that, Dave. Okay. Yesterday, well, I'm having, obviously, a lot more trouble with my knee, and at the first of the year, I'm going to have it replaced, but it's been concerning me at my age, and mm -hmm. I've talked to my doctors, you know, and, and a lot of people have told me don't do it and what have you, but anyway, yesterday, I had my Bible. I was starting to do my Bible study, and um, I was praying that God would give me peace or, you know, just let me know what, uh -huh. what I should do. My Bible study, and I go through the Old and New Testament, you know, certain scriptures every day, was the 23rd Psalm uh, in the Old okay. Testament. And I came to that, though I walked through mm -hmm. the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. I just started crying. It was just so powerful yeah. that, you know, I... And well, I, I'm, I'm sure you just accidentally got there too, huh? Oh yeah, sure. <laughs> it's what you needed. And uh, right? I have no worries about it now. I Good. will get it done, and if it works, okay. But yeah. God will be there with me, and uh, it's affecting my quality of life. And um, I'm going to, you know, and, and if it's not good not to be, then it'll change that's it. before you get there. So, um, but we need to expect God to answer. In fact, um, with this one. Um, 
in James chapter 1 and verse 6 and 7, when he asks, he must believe and not doubt, because he who doubts is like the wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That man should not think he will receive anything from the Lord. And so when we don't think God's going to answer, guess what? He's not going to answer. And, and you've almost uh, set your own fate because of it. And so we have to have confidence that God will answer. Knowing how he's going to answer is a difficult one, right? Because it'd be nice if there was just these miraculous yeah. things that happened and we'd say, yep, that was God. But just turning to Psalms 23, he's how that, do I know that was that yeah. was just God uh, moving it, you to it, do that? It but. just came up. And that was my Old Testament reading for mm -hmm. yesterday. And, you know, like we said, what a coincidence. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so... You know, we need to expect that God's going to answer us. We don't necessarily know how. We don't necessarily know what the the outcome will be, but we know He'll take care of us. But you have to listen to His answer. Yes, and that comes back to that will question, right? Not surrendering your will. Mm -hmm. You pray to God, ask Him for what you do, but you know in your heart you're going to do it your way anyway. Well, you're kind of wasting your time at that point, um, praying to God. And then they're not patiently waiting for God's timing. <clears throat> Sometimes God just wants you to wait. Sometimes God isn't ready to answer. Sometimes you're not ready for the answer. And so sometimes you need to wait. And uh, we're not really good at being patient sometimes. So um, we need to be able to wait and, and let God uh, intervene. And then finally, not willing to suffer for the glory of Christ. Do we ever make decisions that keep us from having trouble? Yeah, that's our natural tendency, I think. I think we would be, there would be something wrong with us if we didn't tend to do that. So when we do things that cause us to suffer, that's going to have to be a conscious decision. We're going to have to make that decision very outwardly and overtly because we're not generally going to do that on our own. It's, we're, not, we're not into that sort of um, creating trouble for ourselves. And that's kind of a self-preservation um, method. Um, and we get a, an example of that in 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. Since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves also with the same attitude, because he who has suffered in his body is done with sin. As a result, he does not live the rest of his earthly life for human desires, but rather for the will of God. That's the place we want to get to where we're, we're more uh, habitual, where, where we're no longer... Um, in sync with sin, and sin has a very hard time getting us. Um, we're very, um, very good at avoiding that. So we can have clouded judgment in making decisions, and sometimes that causes us to um, make bad decisions. Sometimes it causes us to make no decisions because we just can't come up with what's the right answer because we're just not thinking very clearly. And sometimes it's because we're just not, we're not in the right mindset mind is not in the right place. But if that happens, we need to know the right people to go to who will help us. Yeah. So because having, they can that, see having it from, that trusted counselor. Yeah, and they'll see it from a totally different perspective maybe. And Sure. Mm -hmm. In fact, usually when you get too close to a situation, you know, we talk about being in the, in the forest and you can't see the trees can't anymore. See the trees. The, we're in the trees and can't see the forest. Well, that's... Um, that can be a problem, and sometimes you go to someone else, or they can see the, see the forest very clearly. All right, so if we look at um, just using our natural self, 
we'll just make decisions based on our natural self. Um, well, that's going to create some problems for us too, because we don't necessarily, um, our natural self doesn't really look for the things of God easily. And unless we're very well trained, um, that will be a problem. So these are some questions we can ask ourselves. Do we wait too long before we ask God for help? Sometimes we, we think we can kind of power through it on our own, and uh, we try that. Sometimes we get ourselves into lots of trouble before we get there. Do we ask everyone you know for advice instead of asking God? So while it's not bad to ask a trusted counselor for some help, have we also been talking to God before we do that? <clears throat> do you fail to look at the big picture? We just talked about that, right? Being able to see that big picture. Do you lie about failure, whether big or small? That's, that's a big problem. Um, I think generally, who do we lie to the most? Ourselves. Ourselves. We're not very um, willing to see um, things going wrong with ourselves. Now, Dale, that doesn't pertain to fishing, does it? Uh, never. Okay, just checking. <laughs> you ignore or minimize the impact your decisions will have on others. Why is that a problem? So your your ability to be a good example later gets compromised, and you might actually create a situation where we get we cause them to sin, and that's an even bigger problem because now we've we've actually uh, with our decision we've caused someone else to lose their soul, and that's a very bad situation. So we need to be a little more open with ourselves about, well, how might this affect other people? What might they do? Um, do you make decisions too quickly? Sometimes we do that. We're, we're in a bit of a hurry. Uh, we don't have a lot of time anymore. We're all busy. We just got to get things moving. And, and so sometimes we just make quick decisions. And sometimes we don't get a chance to think about things well enough. You fail to weigh the pros and cons. We've been talking about that quite a bit. Um, and that comes sometimes with just being in a, in a hurry. You fail to explore other options. I think that's probably one we don't do as good of a job on, where we just stop and think about, well, obviously there's three ways out of this, but is there a fourth? Maybe the fourth way is better than all three of the others put together, but we don't stop long enough to consider there might be another way to go about this. And so sometimes if we would just stop and, and explore some other options and maybe we come up with something even better. And that's also where someone else looking at your same problem might see it from a different perspective and see a different option. Do you take action prematurely before making necessary plans? So you're, in, this is kind of, in, at work we call this ready, fire, aim. <laughs> you, don't, you don't really, you don't really know where you're going, but you, you just you're, start moving anyway. You're on the way, but you don't know where you're going. But eventually you'll figure it out. Well, you're probably going to crash. That's probably end up in the wrong place. Yes. Yeah, you'll end up somewhere, but it may not be where you intended. And then do you overlook the moral implications of a decision? Sometimes um, we just look at the physical aspects of it, and we don't think about uh, the moral aspects of it. So these, these kind of highlight for us like kind of our natural reactions. They're not really going to accomplish good decisions. Uh, and in fact, as a Christian, we already know that natural reaction is not really a good, that's not a good way to live. All right.
So now when we look at uh, back to Nabal and David, they have their swords at their side, they're moving down the mountain, David and his men, um, they're about to attack. Um, but Nabal's wife, Abigail, she's tipped off about this impending massacre. What does she do? She made a better decision than what does she send? Food. Food. And she doesn't just jump in there and say, here I am, here I am. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden these, these animals start arriving with food on them. And it's kind of like when uh, Jacob was approaching Esau, mm -hmm. it did the same thing. It's kind of uh, take the emotion out of the situation. Uh, and she humbled herself before David instead of being arrogant like As David soon as was. she arrives, she doesn't raise her hands mm -hmm. and start waving. She's she, on the ground. She, no, um, totally. And so, woman or man, that would have been a very appropriate thing to do. Now, as Nabal looks, Nabal's looking at David and saying, well, who is he? Mm -hmm. When Abigail looks at Nabal, what is, or David, what does she see? She's a king. The next king. Very different perspective very different reaction. And so uh, she made a much better decision, much more informed, uh, not thinking about herself, because if it was about herself, she wouldn't have prostrated herself on the ground before David. And so it wasn't about her. In fact, who was she more concerned about than her, and even more concerned than even David? All of her family, even her husband. She's trying to save her husband's life. Did she accomplish that? She couldn't save her husband's life because God required it of him, but she was able to save uh, the life of her family. So, these things need to be developed. We need to get past a lot of these areas where, um, where we have trouble making good decisions. So we need to start developing some good discernment. We talked about prudence. We talked about the cycle for making decisions. Um, we've also got... Um, <coughs> being able to discern God's will for your life. And that comes through salvation, scripture, situation, submission, and servanthood. So looking at each one of these, salvation, we need to have a relationship with God. Um, having a relationship with Him will allow us to um, understand His Word. If you're not a Christian and you're reading the Bible, what are you getting out of it? You don't have the relationship to, to adequately decipher what he's telling you to do and many things without that context um, you're going to come to bad conclusions and and God tells us as much with when he tells us that we need to um, that, that the gospel is a mystery and it's revealed to those who want to have a relationship with him. Scripture helps us to know the will of God and that's pretty obvious situations uh, sometimes we ask the question what does God have in store for me in the future Maybe what we should focus on is what does God have in store for me right now? And I trust that he'll take care of my future. A different way of viewing certain things. Submission. Um, am I willing to put my life in submission to God and give him control? And then finally, servanthood. Same kind of idea. Do I give up um, my control of my life to him as if he is my slave owner and I'm the slave, he's the master? Um, am I willing to let him guide me through the rest of the decisions of this I think life? that's why our churches are losing so many young people now because they are of the generation. Nobody's going to tell me what to it's do. It's true. Even the Lord. 
And, and sometimes that's, that's just true of younger people in general, yeah. right? Because they, it, they it, don't have the maturity necessarily mm -hmm. all the time. Yeah. Sometimes that, sometimes life beats that out of you, mm -hmm. and uh, we call that maturity. And so hopefully that's uh, that's something we will attain to. All right. So the last part of this uh, section is in a lot of this decision making process, we're counting on God to help us. And so I just wanted to go through a section of scriptures that mostly come from Psalms and Proverbs that tell us that God, what God thinks about helping us. <clears throat> so we'll start with Psalms 32, verse 8. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you and watch over you. Psalms 119, 105. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. Isaiah 42, 16. God says, I will, let, I will lead the blind by ways they have not known. Along unfamiliar paths I will guide them. I will turn the darkness into light before them and make the rough places smooth. I will not forsake them. <clears throat> Psalms 37, 23. If the Lord delights in a man's way, he makes his steps firm. Proverbs 16, verse 9. In his heart a man plans his course, but the Lord determines his steps. That's kind of, we've been talking a lot about the courses of life and the steps of life. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will make your path straight. Isaiah 58, verse 11. The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden like a spring whose waters never fail, kind of an oasis in the middle of the desert. You'll be some, something that people will see and know that you're different. Psalms 37, 5 through 6. Commit your way to the Lord, trust in Him, and He will do this. He will make your righteousness shine like the dawn, the justice of your cause like the noonday sun. Psalms 139, verses 9 through 10. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. Psalms 73, verse 24. You guide me with your counsel, and afterward you take me into glory. Psalms 48, 14. He will be our guide even to the end. John 16, 13. He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. And finally, John 8, verse 12. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. <clears throat> so we'll finish there. That's the end of the decision-making section. We'll go on to the self-control section on Wednesday night. So go ahead and take uh, start looking at questions for...